0: Hi, I'm Lapo Beccherini and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle and every week I try to speak to people working at the highest level of tennis, from players, coaches, trainers and more. This week I speak to strength and conditioning coach Lapo Berechini, who is based at the Mortoglu Tennis Academy in the south of France. Lapo works with top players such as the up-and-coming Holger Ruin, Lorenzo Mazzetti, Alexei Poprin and many of the world's best juniors and more. Lapo has picked up a lot of knowledge by working in various parts of the world resulting in a holistic approach to S&C, but don't think his sessions are easy. We chat about his early career, differences between soccer players and tennis players, how the world's best train, how lower ranked players can be fitted than higher ranked players, the process when starting with new players, cramping, inertial training, and a lot more. It's a great chat. I really enjoyed it. If you enjoy it, Two things, make sure to check out our previous chats with strength and conditioning coaches such as Eric Hernandez, who works with world number one Daniel Medvedev, Marcel De Cruz, who works with Casper Rude, Matt Little, who works with Andy Murray, Sebastian Durand, who works with Grigor Dimitrov, Jason Stacey, who works with Irina Sabalenka. You can head over to functionaltennis.com forward slash podcast where I'll have a list ready for you to check out. Before we get started, a shout-out to our podcast sponsor, Slinger, who make the awesome portable ball machine, The Slinger Bag. Head over to slingerbag.com to get all the info. And if you have any burning questions, feel free to contact me directly. And if you enjoy the episode, please share it to your fellow tennis enthusiasts. Okay, here's Lapo. Hi, Lapo. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you?
0: Hey, Fabio. How are you doing? Thank you for having me and yeah, all good and yeah, happy to be here with you here.
1: Great. Well, I'm, I am I know I say this a lot, but I'm excited to have you on. I really am because we've commu- communicated a lot over the past few years. You put up yeah. a lot of great videos, you work with some great players. So let's kick it off with, tell us a bit about you, maybe how you got into the strength and condition world, your your background, and then we'll touch on where you're working now and the players you're working with.
0: Yeah, for sure. So look, basically I uh, started in 2010, so we're talking about 12 years ago. I started to work strength conditioning in Spain, in Levante. was actually a club from Valencia, the first club of the city of Valencia. And then I spent a few years in Spain. I had also the opportunity to study post-degrees. So like Master, one in Valencia, was one year, was Injury Prevention Master, and one in Barcelona, two years. Actually, the one in Barcelona really, let's say, changed my vision, changed my mind. Um, director is Julio Tuz, so he's one of the I would say best to me fitness coach world worldwide. He had huge experience in high level tennis, high level football, and yeah. And then after I moved to China, I worked in Super League, also in football there. Then I had short experience about around one year in that in tennis in Italy. After I got the chance, the opportunity to move to India to go deep in the biomechanical and relaxation with yoga. So that's why I moved to Mumbai to study one year yoga. And then after I came back in Italy, I went north of Italy, actually, in a small academy. And uh, finally, 2019, I moved south of France here in Moratoglu, where actually I'm working. And uh, yeah, here we
1: are. Well, so that's a, a vast array of places you've worked, so you must be, you, you know, you cover a lot of areas, which is interesting. But quickly, where about Italy are you from?
0: Florence, actually. Florence, so Italy.
1: Okay, so north of Italy isn't too far from Florence. I thought when you said the north, you were from a bit more south.
0: I mean, no. Uh, I mean, when I worked in the academy, actually, was cl- it was in Como, so it was like north of Milan. So yeah, from, from Florence it takes like, let's say, four hours, four or five hours.
1: Did you play tennis as a young kid?
0: Uh, not really. Actually, I played baseball. Uh, not super high level. So, by the way, yeah, I played like around four years baseball. And then I practiced just for fun tennis. But I never was like a good player. I just had, I think, like around 10, 15 lessons. And that's it.
1: And did you want to work in the... The fitness, the strength and condition world of tennis. I know you've f- football experience. What brought you to working in tennis?
0: Yeah, I mean, actually, it's funny because I thought always that uh, my goal was to work in football, and actually, I'm lucky because I did it. I'm still doing it through my company, but like just working with private football player now for the moment. But you know what? Like, I found that I got that in tennis. The level that you can put in with the players is like way higher than football. I mean also just in terms of time that you have to work with one player. In tennis you can work like three, two hours per day, just one player. And in football this one is not possible. Unfortunately it's not possible unless you have like a good, very good level of club. Like we're talking about the best clubs in the world, Real Madrid, Chelsea, and they can afford like few several fitness coach, maybe four, three, but still the ratio it's like four fitness coaches, five for 25 players. So the quality will never be like the quality we can have in tennis, actually. That's why also I move in tennis.
1: And would the best footballers in the world, the Ronaldos, the Messis, would they have their own fitness coach also that they work with?
0: Actually, how it works with this level that you're talking about, Ronaldo example, always when he's moving, he has like, let's say, kind of small private team and he's always moving in all the clubs. So let's say in Real Madrid, it was with the same people. In Manchester, he was with the same people. In Juventus, now was with the same people just before going back in, in uh, United again. So yeah, this level of players usually, and that's why also they are very good. Because actually they invest in the strength conditioning, they invest in good therapists. And they travel around the world, bringing them also always with them.
1: That's interesting. The top 1% always think that bit differently, don't they?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and So I was going to ask you this at the end. I'm going to ask you now, difference between soccer players and tennis players as athletes. I know it's a different sports. Yeah. And it could be, you may say it's hard to compare them, but which is the better athlete? If you wanted to be a world-class soccer player or tennis player, they both make loads of money, so that doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I mean,
0: you know, like... Who's fitter? Yeah.
1: Who's the better athlete?
0: Yeah, actually, it's a fine question. Always I answer like... Who is the man? I mean, he's the man who can lift the heaviest weight or the man who can jump like longest. Who is the best one? So, you know, like it's tough to say, like, let's say football, usually like soccer, they cover around between eight, 11 kilometers during one match. Mm. Tennis, you go around, can be three, four, five. But just imagine, like, I remember, This one was impressive to me, talking about actually one player from the academy, Tsitsipas, 2019, third round Australian Open, if I'm right, or maybe I'm wrong, by the way. It was like, it did 172 change of direction on the high speed. 172, close to 200 times one player in tennis, he can change direction on the high speed. It means we're talking over 17 kilometers per hour. (laughs) So it means like tennis for sure. Is a sport with a huge demands about fitness, everything, aerobic capacity, maximum power out, so speed for sure, reaction time, strength, everything. Soccer also, but yeah, I will say if you compare the top ten tennis players with the top elite football players, are we talking about like uh, Ibrahimovic, Ronaldo? They can be pretty close. Then of course you must go in the like specific fitness yeah. what they need mostly. But yeah. What um I remember the experience that they had in football. I was impressed because sometimes from outside you think like they can work all the day long in football but it's not like this actually. The time that they invest in the fitness for a club, for a medium average level of club, fitness wise every day daily is around 40 minutes, one hour. And this one in tennis Is something impossible because what do you mean? In forty minutes, thirty minutes, you just go for the warm up. (laughs) So it means in in just imagine in terms of volume of time, of volume of training, how much more usually tennis players they spend respect football player. But again, we came back like as I started. Then, if you want to be top level in football, you know that you must invest. Yeah, and so it means you work with the club, and plus when you go home you keep working.
1: Yeah, interesting. The footballer's life looks easier though, doesn't it? Less travel, ah, for sure. nice 100%. home. Ah, yeah.
0: For sure, for sure. I mean, I remember it's funny because sometimes also like pro players they come to me and they told me like, oh Lapo, I made the wrong decision. <laughs> Was bad maybe to try to be like professional football player and always to say for sure you're right, 100%. Way easier, way yeah.
1: easier. The, the, <laughs> they play golf during the day, and they, you know yeah. they play video <laughs> no. games. They get sore thumbs from the video games, like so. For sure, that's great. So, you are you've been in Montauglu in the south of France since 2019. Yeah, uh, maybe tell me some of the players you've worked with and you still work with.
0: Yeah, so through the year I work like with uh, Lorenzo Musetti, with Jerry Shank. Also, like, both of them, actually, is funny because they were number one juniors in the world. Also, Olga Rohn, who I met the first time. He was, like, I 13 or 12. I remember was tennis Europe grade 2 in Messina. And then, it's funny because I found him again in Waratoglu. So, actually, right now, i still working with him, Olga. I'm still working with Alexi Popperin. And, yeah, I was working until a few weeks ago uh, just for the yoga, for the prevention with um, Jeremy Chardy, who just now got under like surgery. So mm-hmm. he won't be able to play for the next few months. Uh, he will come back next year. And then several junior players like Clairvion Gonwe, Robin Montgomery, Lennon Jones, uh, Mark Loyal is not junior yeah. anymore, but still is like pretty young. And few more st-
1: Okay, great. So yeah, you're working with the, some of the best players in the world at those ages, they're definitely the best.
0: Uh yeah, actually, yeah. This one it's why I must say like thank you to like Patrick to the yeah, to the direction, the trust in me. Uh, that allow me to work actually with I would say part of the best player that we have right now. And also in like in the in the recent past. And yeah, but always it's good exchange because as I say I can learn from them and they can learn from me. So, you know, like when you try to build good relationship, like human being, like good professional, it's like, it's like amazing.
1: But what have you learned from, let's say, Holger or Sitsipas?
0: I will say like, look, from them, I had the chance to work like sometimes just for the breathing, like example, to try to work more on the mental aspect. And you learn also a lot about how you should approach them because everyone is different. So let's say in the tough situation, in the tough moment when we go like for good fitness, especially in pre-season, you understand a lot of time because I mean it's a lot about how you communicate with them, how you talk with players. And not everyone is the same. So also like how you can be around them during the matches, before the matches, after the match. So you get a lot also like in I will say I mean you don't you don't like become like psychologist, sport psychologist, but of course if you want really to work in the high level, even young, but high level, you must understand how to talk always with them. Because first they are people, human Mm -hmm. beings, and then after you have athletes. But first human being.
1: Interesting. And Tabby, are you on the road much or do you base yourself a lot more in the academy?
0: Yeah. I mean
1: yeah, do you travel a lot?
0: Travel, yeah, I mean travel like actually is a good question because I'm not kind of fitness coach that actually appreciated too much just to travel for the let's say normal routine, warm-up and cool down and stuff. It's okay, of course, when wherever people ask me to travel, it's fine, it's not a big deal. For me, I like to travel is okay for sure. But as I really like my job, I really like my job and for how I works, for my let's say methodology that is coming more is coming for more Spain, I always need some equipment. Yeah. Equipment, especially for like my background, it means like inertial equipment, vibration platform. So it's something that I know that I can do the best in the academy because I really need something that we have only the academy and actually like academy we are doing amazing we invest a lot in like facilities in equipments in tools and we're still investing a lot and this one is like because patrick because he had good vision we want to be like the academy number one in the world and so we know that we must to take like everything all the best that we can take from around the world so yeah that's why also when i moved actually uh, three years ago I asked straight. The first thing I asked to the academy was to bring, like, kind of some machines, two, three machines in the academy. Because without this, to me, it was tough to work. So that's why, like, when you travel, you have sometimes the feeling that you are there, but you are not really doing the job. And always, I'm fair with the players. If you want me to travel, you know that I will work. So you must be able to be ready to work through the weeks. So between also the competition, but work proper fitness. If you ask me, just to come there, I don't know, like just to be there with you and clap, I'm not the right, mm. I'm not the the right guy.
1: So what you're saying is the real work is done at base, and that's why you're there to get some real work done.
0: Yeah, for sure, for and sure.
1: Yeah, we did have I had Sebastian Duran on the show a long, two years ago now. I'm Dimitrov's fitness coach, and yeah, I was I, like. I know him. I was I was asked him when the, like, do you need to be at Grand Slams? He goes, no, he doesn't. The real work's done beforehand. It's too late oh, if you're sure. if you're doing work now. And your point is, you can't get real work done at Grand Slams. It's no oh, for
0: sure. But I'm totally agree also with Harry, actually, the fitness coach of Daniel. Also, him. If you look at him, he's not traveling that much. I remember, like a lot of like fitness coaches look also Nadal. Look, Alcaraz also Alberti's fitness coach is not traveling. I mean, when you go, when you find like the good combination, like maybe some also the physio, mm. if he's smart, if you have good relationship fitness and physio, they can manage also yeah. to like some prevention, some pre some movements. But okay. But you don't need to me unless maybe this one makes sense when you go for a long tour. Let's say when you go for the swing in Australia, swing in America, and then you have like big training block. It takes like two, three, four weeks makes sense. but to me just to go there, to be there is nice. but again, as I really like my job, I would prefer like to stay like in the daily yeah. in the daily routine to work day by day and to try to build the players because trust me, you don't have like I mean the best feeling that you have to me is like to build the players since they're young. it means 12, 13, 14 and then to see them reach the top level. This is something that I mean is unreal.
1: And speaking of young players, so a player comes to Mortigloudron champ seed, let's say, yeah. and they're gonna they have potential. They come in, see you the first time. What's the first thing you do with a, with new players who come to the academy?
0: Yeah, for sure. So beginning we go for like a checkup, so evaluation about biomechanical, so with the physio departments, with the doctor and then we go testing in fitness we try to link like all together all the part and we also talk with the player to understand like the issue that they had in the uh, few like past month or in the few last year which is a strengthening about tennis how we feel everything and then slowly slowly we try to have like some routine in the beginning I i trust in the routine because like it's something that always certain level of players you see they come to you to ask routine routine before matches routine after matches It's something that i guess can help them for sure like on the mental part but also they feel like more comfortable it's like kind of let's say placebo effect but also for sure it 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 works it can work for my direct experience it works and so yeah and then like every week mostly we go like for a meeting like i'm gonna talk Pretty often with the physio, with the coaches, we try to exchange feedback always. And yeah, and then we go through and that's what's like happened with also, let's say Robin, Robin Montgomery. Actually, first time before becoming champion US Open and then she came after based in Moratogu Academy. So now it's already basically one season that she's with us. And yeah, and that's how it works. But with her and with all the players, junior, or like even pro, the camp, always we start like with solid evaluation from everyone and then we start
1: to build the process. Nice. We actually had Rob Montgomery on the podcast. I think she just, yeah, she's very nice. she just after moved to Mortogaloo, don't think it was early days, but it was about a year, ago, just under a year ago, I think. But how often would you recheck then players like their flexibility, their strength, their speed?
0: I will say. Also, this one is a good point. I mean, of course, we go for a test. We go for like between three, four times per year with fitness test, and uh, about physio same. So let's say every three, four months we go for a global test about performance. But I will say when we work, when you have the chance, let like I try to do like in the daily routine to work daily, just one to one with the players. You can see. Yeah. Every day, every day you can see. From the morning from when they wake up until when the day is done you can see every day if they improve or not of course then it's good also to have like clear picture like about datas and everything absolutely yes but if you really work one-to-one and if you really know deep in the guy in the player that you're working with you can see day by day what is going well what we should improve what is not working and yeah that's
1: it yeah interesting and what about players who I know all young players aren't based there all the time they come for a few weeks a year would you work with their fitness coaches back home then to provide a plan
0: absolutely like let's say about also Robin is, she's a great example because I'm in touch always with TC who is like her fitness coach when she's based in Washington and yeah always always for me like the connection between fitness coaches between like physio and fitness is key Is super important we must remember that i mean we are like just more part of the process just more part and then we are we might to me like work everyone like connected together to try to give the best for the player so for sure always in touch with everyone parents coaches physiotherapists, uh, osteo whatever like all together that's why I, i think like actually on my whatsapp i think i have like more than 20 groups (laughs) because actually we have a group for each play you know which makes sense yeah so like even though like for whatever just you text there because of course it's not easy always to ask for a meeting for a meeting someone sometimes you are i don't know like here to work sometimes you work like outside or in monte carlo sometimes you travel so but in the daily after end of the day you always know what's happening what's going on
1: and most of the time you don't actually need a meeting (laughs) yeah. <laughs> a, message, a message just does not Meetings can be overkill. Okay, so you, you've worked with great players. I'm sure you've worked with more average players. What's the biggest difference you've seen between the players who are at the top of their game at their age and players who aren't? Is there anything that stands out?
0: Additional like just is very interesting. Actually, I won't make like (laughs) the names because of course I cannot, but like just a few months ago we test like some one of them, some of the players that I told you, and was funny because like top player you compare with like lower ranked, way lower ranked, and what came out the lower ranked player has best fitness about testing. They're the higher-ranked. Oh, wow. So this is What does it mean for me? Always, I say one thing. Um, when people ask me about fitness, how is important fitness in tennis? For sure, is important. For sure, important. But to me, with fitness, you cannot think to win tournaments for fitness. You can win one match through the week, or some master or slam through the two weeks. You can win one match, maybe. But in the end of the day, as, look, was perfect for me what Nadal just said after French Open. He arrived with, I think, one of the worst levels of fitness ever. I mean, he couldn't walk, almost. And he made it. And what he say? I didn't want because of my fitness, because I think I, I never felt so bad in the last, like, 10 years. But in the end of the day, we're talking about tennis. So tennis, if you're good on tennis, if you're good, like, mental, so good behavior, good attitude, then way easier to make it again fitness for sure helps you always if you take like the top 10 players who you think he has not like good level of fitness i mean this guy like machines mm. everyone but it's not something that makes you win in the long terms during the week through the week okay so again you can see sometimes like players to me the focus even too much junior in the fitness because they think they will win tournaments and actually, is happening is funny because, of course, when they are young, you see like people, guys, 12, 13 years old, they looks like 18. So there is this huge gap that, of course, helps you a lot. But then, when everyone, mm. everyone, it start to become like pro, it turns in pro. So it means you turn like 18, 19, 20. This one is stuff you cannot think to me to win anymore a certain level just because the fitness so it's something that always you must to me to pay attention as fitness coach to let them understand priority they are tennis players they're not track and field athletes which is also huge biomechanical and technical part in track and field but like tennis players so we're talking about tennis that all the fitness must be in relation to the tennis so that's what to me it means really the word of functional is like maybe overuse terms, but to work functional strength conditioning, it means really to work just for the sport that you're practicing.
1: Yeah. Look, that, that makes total sense. And it's a bit like, are you saying like, so let's say running, you do a five kilometer test and it takes them five minutes. There's no advantage them being any quicker than that. Is yeah. they little, where maybe Mr. I don't know, or Mrs. thousand the world can do it in 420. There's no real advantage apart, apart from putting stress on your body.
0: I mean, like, Danny is amazing. Like, as you can see, like, some players, like, I remember, like, Jess Green with Murray did, like, amazing job. I remember you, you, the, the guy was, like, Murray when he was number one in the world. He was physically, of course, a machine. But again, it's not because his level of fitness mm. that the guy, I think, might just my idea, then maybe someone is not agree with me. But you will never get, like, this level Top 10 just because of fitness. Again, it helps because at one point to be there, you need body. You need like a good body. You need like to be healthy. You need like to be like fit. Otherwise, you will never get there. So it makes me laugh when people say, "Eh, but the guys are like 30 in the world is not fit. (laughs) To say not fit.
1: I think by becoming 30 in the world or 20 in the world, you just have that. That's part of it. Does that make yeah. sense? You have to have that. You don't become 10 in the world without being a beast, like. Yeah. And that's come Absolutely. over. I think it's the other thing, the compound of training. So training year on year, a lot of people like me would train from, you start in January, you finish in December and you sort of reset and go again. So you never really compound. But professional athletes, be it soccer players, they've 20 years of compound and fitness built on top of one another. And Exactly. That's why I think they're different.
0: It's a long tense process And like you're talking about football is amazing to me, like how the best players actually, they never get off. It means like they just finish the season and they start straight preseason. As I told you, private. And this one is why some of the top players, they reach this level. And also in tennis, the best one, I remember Dimitrov or like even though other players, they just finish the season, but they're still moving. They're Mm -hmm. still moving the body. They're not people like they are lazy. They go, no, I just stay in the couch, in the bed all the day, because they know that actually the body is like a machine. Yeah. And so you must keep moving the body every time, even though maybe changing something, maybe go for a run, for a swimming. And this is what, as you say, is a long-term process in what makes them, some players, like to reach the top level.
1: The mindset they have is incredible.
0: Yeah, uh, amazing.
1: Join over 10,000 people who have downloaded our free match and practice PDFs over at functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. Our match and practice PDFs help you plan and evaluate your matches and practices. We have some other free downloads there for you too. So make sure you go over to functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. You talked about machines earlier and we put up a video, I know you've you've sent me videos, sorry, I've seen videos online of Holger using the Inertia yeah. machine. There's one from Alcaraz l- last week using the Inertia yeah. machine. And tell me, what are the advantages of this machine? I don't know much about them. So just interesting to hear because I know you're a big advocate of them.
0: Yeah, basically, Okay, so um, everything starts, let's say, about Is Inertia, like more than 100 years ago, they start to, the NASA for, in America, they start to do like some research for like, People that were like going in the space to try to keep them moving and healthy about the volume of the muscle. So to don't lose too much muscle because of course when you're not like, in the space you cannot move, you cannot do nothing. And so they found like they came out with this kind of like machine. what the name? is like flywheel. And basically after in the 80s, we're talking about 30 years ago in Stockholm, in Sweden, few doctors and one of them is not a doctor actually, it's like a fitness coach. It's called Holutus, is the one that I was talking about, director of the master, the one that I did in Barcelona. He tried to develop the idea. And basically, what came out like that with this kind of training, is an training, you can get like a lot of benefits. Basically, training like isoner is like you use like the force generate from the concentric. So basically, let's say biceps car, When you go with the hand close to the shoulder, is the concentric action. And then you try to use the force of concentric to try to go to hold, to resist as much as you can in the other direction. So, in the centric. So, let's say when you have like the stretch, just to make it easy, the length of the muscle. Mm. And this is why, like, you can see, like, sometimes also people, that's the first reason why I remember I brought the machines in the academy. And not a lot of people they used to like it because it's not so easy for like beginners. It's not something like easy to go and easy to understand. But when you go in the, into it, you can really understand like how many benefits. I'm not talking about like the, I mean physiological benefits that they have. You have a lot of studies just if you go on PubMed and you put like isometric training. Benefit you can have a lot about injury prevention, about to have sarcomeres more in series, about like more range of motion, to um, have more um, hypertrophic volume on the muscle. So, like, there are really, really, really a lot of benefits. But to me, the real benefits is that you are completely free to work, especially I'm not talking about the squat which is also very good maybe you saw him it's called like the squat is the classic flywheel the one when you stand and you have the resistance from down this one is very good but the one that i, I really like a lot is the it's called the, in spain actually pole or you can call like v-line like for the brand that i'm developing like some machine and working with which is italian brand and because you can also like basically work on the technique of the movements like let's say foreign, backend, servers, everything, and at the same time to develop the strength. So it's something that you like, let's say, to me it makes huge sense to have like a relationship during the fitness part, during the fitness morning, to make also the player understand that you are taking care about him, not just like athletes, but like tennis player. So he's a tennis player, so he works strength for your forehand. We work strength for your back And this kind of freedom, what you can do, like you can see like also how can improve the synesthetic. So how can they understand more and more how the body works. Because it's not just to go on the bench, lie down and go with the dumbbell up and try to develop the chest and the pectoral muscle. We are talking about this develop your muscle, but in the same time to connect all the body and to try to work on it. Let's say short example on the forehand. Sometimes people they don't load enough from the leg, forehand openness. They don't load enough the right leg, or they just don't use that much the core control. And you can use these machines actually to try to make them understand how the technique also can be. And that's why it's perfect actually when the tennis coach they can come during the fitness session. And at the same time, you can develop strength on the leg, strength on the core, strength on the shoulder, everything together.
1: It feels like it's a, you can just go on there, do all your strength work on it, and then job done. Seems to cover yeah. all the bases. <laughs> you obviously, you've seen a lot of improvements with it. You like using the machine. It's just interesting here because I've seen you guys post it. You've seen Alcraz do it. I haven't seen... So other top guys, but look, there's different, as you say, there's different mentalities from different coaches. Yeah, and- I mean,
0: it's funny because always, always when people ask me, what's the best way to train? I mean, like, if you look like, take the top 10, everyone actually is training different. Mm. Everyone from the top 10. There is no one right way. I will say just trust the process and you, you need to meet some scientific base, it's a solid mm-hmm. base. And then you have like to know, like, deep knowledge in what, what we are talking about. So honestly, I won't think comfortable. I won't think comfortable maybe to work like on, I don't know, more like contrast training, more weight power lifting. I won't like, but I remember about like an amazing player working with huge volume of weight. Yeah. I remember about Fer, uh, Verdasco example.
1: He's a big guy now, isn't he? Though?
0: I mean, the guy was like lifting huge weight, but I won't say that he was not doing good. He got huge results. And a lot of players, also different players, but like let's say for me, the smartest way, and again, the functional like way to work it is like to use these machine these are just part of the machines that I, I used to work with then we are I, we developed also with the Italian brand like the vibration platform, which is something that already Nadal was working like more than ten years ago. And also, this one, you have a lot of benefit for the stability example of the lower limbs. So you can connect stability of the ankle through the knee hip and to try to connect the core. So it's something that people usually they think about the legs and they think about the arms and the core, like different parts of the body. Like my point of view is like we work like a chain, which is pretty common now. Everyone talking about muscle chain, but really try to work regarding fitness.
1: Everything connected. Nice, nice. It's an interesting topic, and there was a video doing the rounds. Now it's only an, it, one video out of many of, I'm sure, their reps that they do and their exercise. But it was Mevedev who trained sometimes in your gym. He was doing, what was it? he was doing a hip thrust, and he'd like 50 kilos. And then there was a video of Emma who with 200 kilos doing a hip. Thrust. I was like, how the hell? <laughs> how does she lift 200 <laughs> kilos? And Two hundred kilos a lot of weight. She's she's a slight girl. Like she's not a she's I don't know, sixty sixty five kilos max I'd say she is. Yeah. And it was just interesting, but again there's different trainers do different things and
0: for sure, for sure. Just let you understand like about like the difference when we're talking about volume. The higher force set that you can generate it with the flywheel technology is between two and three times higher in terms of force, the one that you can produce with normal so with normal weight with, with concentric. so also like the hip thrust great movements great tools like to strengthen the hip to strengthen the lower back to have solid pelvic i love it but also this one is pretty analytic and for sure it works i won't say that it doesn't work but for me there is like one period of the year when you can work more analytic or maybe during the tour but then when i, I really work i really do like my job that i think like i'm like decent doing it it's always something more like about movements and it means first thing standing because how many times you see one tennis players performing on the back or performing lie down never tennis players
1: sits a pass the odd time when he's diving I'm yeah, kidding.
0: just the key goes maybe now on grass yeah so you're standing And so we work standing. The court, we work standing. Because on court, you hit the ball, you should be able to control your court standing on two legs. Sometimes also
1: on one leg. Yeah, very functional. That makes sense. I'm dreading my training session with you, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get super fit just to show up there. So it's grass court season now. And what's changed between straight off clay court onto the grass court? Let's say... Holger, one of your other players, Musetti. What changes in the training there just to make sure they're ready for the grass, and maybe more for an injury prevention? What exactly yeah. changes?
0: For sure. I mean, like grass, like clay, actually does have also like a slide element. Is like, let's say, is not as prolonged as long as it's going on clay, and, and mostly important is not so like chic, like so safe. Because as you see, when you slide, pretty often you can overslide. And people, not often, but I will say almost during one match, one time or more time, they're slipping and they can overstretch. Actually, it's what just happened to Lorenzo. Hopefully, it's nothing serious. He will be able to play like in, in a few days. But to me, super important, again, is like to work if you have kind of machine like that can make it more functional also on the field like isonersal training to try to work more on the deceleration so as you can see like usually in tennis on grass what comes out you stay lower more frequency on the feet you don't go for super wide stance and you try just to keep the balance as much as you can so for sure bending more than is what's coming more strengthening on the patellar tendon so i remember was australian open one of the last Australian Open, I remember Nadal doing the protocol 5:45. It means one great-like exercise to strengthen the patellar tendon is 45 seconds wall squat. So just squat to the wall, holding 90 degrees, and 20 seconds off, four or five times. This is a simple example about something that always, when I start the grass season, I ask to the players that I work with to do. Even better, it will be using the Russian belt. What is called in Spain, cinturon russo, is like a kind of belt that you put around the knees and you can go really down doing like a proper squat. So this one is already something that's pretty like, easy to do. It takes like, I would say, between seven, eight minutes, but to watch out, strengthening always patellar tendon. Also, what's important, immobility. Immobility as you spend way more time in the squatting position. So try to avoid like pain on the groin part, more mobility, more eccentric strengthening on the adductor, short and long adductor. And as I told you, footwork. A lot of footwork with mini steps, I would say very short steps, but great intensity.
1: And some deceleration work to
0: deceleration, pull the brakes. Deceleration, always. Like, I remember like one was like last year ago, yeah, I think one one year ago, um I spoke with one tennis coach. He was asking me why actually I was pulling, I was pulling one player in the direction when he was going. Because usually what you can see always, like let's say the guy is ratty, you want to hit the forehead and you pull him from the left. Is exactly what we don't need. Okay. We need exactly the opposite. On clay but it's even more on grass. Look, I just work like few days now with two players Petros Tsitsipas the younger brother of Stefanos, and Lennon Jones Petros he just left actually yesterday to Mallorca he will play double there and uh, Lennon Jones he will play Ramton ITF G1 and we just worked on this one in the last couple of days a lot of deceleration using a device that I developed during the years that can pull you in the direction when you're running and you must be able always to keep the balance, and then also to be fast to recover, of course. And then you can work on court, you can work on grass. I mean, to work on court is not easy, as in Europe, is not easy to find like grass court. Oh. But we are lacking more at Ogdo. We have like huge out like sp- outdoor space, so we have like, actually a lot of natural grass, and we are able to work on it.
1: Nice. So there is plenty they're working on. It's just interesting to hear. Exactly what the players should be working on and what they are working on. Yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the grass court underway. And another thing I want to ask you about is some your play like cramping is with younger players is a big thing. And I know there's nutrition is one side of it, but let's talk about from a strength perspective. What sort of things can players do to stop getting cramps?
0: Yeah, for sure. First of all, I would like to say like my my point of view as it as uh, we spoke before when you reach like when you reach like this level of like players like talking about top 50 top 40 everyone has like very good level of fitness so it's tough to see that they are not ready to compete sometimes you can also see like players like getting cramp after like i would say not few games but during the first set which is something weird to me most of the time i will say always But you can never say always in this life. So most of the time, it's come out for more than one reason. So I guess could be also the fitness. So maybe we didn't work enough resistance or strength, power resistance. So the ability to perform always the same power, the same output force from the legs. But for sure, I will tell you, mental part is key. And nutrition. Nutrition it means what you're eating and also what you are drinking. About this one, people a lot of time, players, when you ask them, you tell them, look, remember, try to drink, try to drink every day. And they say, Yes, yes, for sure, Lapo. I play today, I start to drink a lot from last night. It's not working like this. The body it has some certain times that he's able in it can like absorb everything that we put in. It's not like we go full and we start to drink now for tomorrow, five liters every, I don't know, three, four hours. It doesn't work like this. If you play in two, three days, it's today that you must start to take care completely about what you're putting in your body. And what happened? As you're a tennis player and you're supposed to play every week, at least one match. It means basically you can never stop drinking and eating properly because it how it works. It's not like you play and then you go like for two, three days, you don't care, and then you start again to take care. It's a process that takes between two, three, four days the nutrition to be really, really, really fit. And this one is one part. Nutrition is big, as you said, is right. Totally agree. Then mental. It's funny. I had the chance to talk with Lorenzo. I remember last year French Open against Novak and also with Olga US Open also against Novak. Mm. Both of them they got trouble with cramps after we spoke and they came out with the same reason. Mental part stress level was the main problem during the match. So they didn't cramp and I'll tell you, Olger was coming from two tournaments, two challenger one. One was in San Marino, I think the second one was Verona, it was on clay. He just go for the second challenger in a row. So one two challenger was I think like August. And then he flew to America. Full storm in New York. So was not able and he was moving from clay to heart. He practiced indoor day after. Imagine match slam center court night match during the night with novak so i mean imagine your level of stress from coming to win two tournaments in a row to go to play a slam basically for the first time against Novak. so and lorenzo same Mm. he was doing very well and then retired because he was not feeling good but the mental part was there always the mental part is key about strength conditioning Again, I tell you, if you're talking about people, players, out of like, let's say, not even hundred, because also to me, like player like 90, 100 is really good physically. I never saw like players like nineteen the world, and they cannot say no. This guy, of course, your room improvement. I'm totally agree. Everyone has also number one in the world. Also Daniel now with has it. Everyone has, but to be from there to say that the problem of the cramp. It's only regarding fitness, no chance. But if you, the question is, coming back to your question, what we can work on? For sure, strength resistant, power resistant, and also, again, eccentric training. Eccentric training, to me, better, if you can make it using easy universal devices, Otherwise, you can just work eccentric training also without isonersal devices.
1: Very interesting. I knew obviously a bit about the strength training work and the nutrition, but the mental thing I'd never thought about and how that can cause stress to the body and result in the breakdown of the body, which is interesting.
0: But it's huge. I remember also I got like experience in the, through the years. I remember it was in Spain. I was working in Cordoba, actually was in secunda so it was like not in the first league Cordo by the time was in the second league and um, we had like a talk with a mental was like a mental coach he came out we start to spoke with just one guy because he got some like problem issue with the family and everything and the guy i remember was sad. Uh, was not happy to be there to perform like was almost crying in the locker room we had this huge conversation The day after what happened, the guy was perfect health, yeah? The day after, the guy injured, hamstring. Was after, I think, 20, 30 minutes of the match started, injury. And you say, okay, it's like random, it's casual, it's not casual. A lot of times, players, top players, they can get injured just because the mental part. It's something that it, it, I mean, it sounds like, what are you talking about, (laughs) Lotto? (laughs) <laughs> but it's like this to me like if you have really like holistic vision and this one is also what I got from the experience to live in India in Mumbai is like this the body is not like a machine we are like all together so first thing again human being then you have the athletes but everything is connected so we cannot think about always injured. why some players they always get injured in the same area I have players that, they, I had players, actually, soccer, football, they're always injured in the pelvic area, in the mm. stomach area. Why? Lower back, elopsoas, or a short adductor, or pubalkia, the head. Why? It's not something like, I mean, to me, you should think about it.
1: Yeah, very, very interesting. And your whole the holistic approach to it. Question regarding water. On average, a tennis player, how many liters of water do they drink? a day?
0: Ah, uh, look, like, in summer, or like average?
1: Just on, on, I know summer is yeah. different, whether it's 40 degrees or 20 degrees, but let's yeah, say yeah. 30 I mean, degrees, preparing for matches, are you drinking like four to five litres a day or more?
0: No, more. They go for more, for yeah. sure. They go for way more, way more, yeah. They they go for more. I have. I mean, the players that I work with consider they go like for uh, like around three, four bottles per day of water.
1: So that's like, that's like six to nine litres a day yeah, of water. yeah, yeah.
0: Easy, easy.
1: Plus, yeah. I didn't know that. And also, we're finishing up here now shortly, but question that's always asked coming from heavily amateur-based players is how do the pros slide on hard courts? What's the secret? Is it just force or I'm asked all the time, how do they slide? And you see it in comments, how do they slide? What's the inside knowledge on how they slide on hard?
0: I mean, it's something like this one. This one is a like we open like a huge window <laughs> because, I mean, I would say it's kind of the approach that you have also in the young age. Usually, I'm not saying always, but people that they can move pretty well are people that they are young players that they had experience in different sports. So what you call differentiation. So it's not like they just went for the tennis and they played tennis during all the career. Or maybe they play soccer, or maybe they did dance, mm. or they play basketball, or they play different sport, and they could like develop more like this in terms of movement, in terms of coordination, and for sure this one it will help also when you reach like top level. Then of course you can also work on it. That's what like strength conditioning. They to me they should work also. Like sometimes can be like just with the fitness, sometimes can be like what we call fitness on court. Always when we talk about fitness court, it means like doing fitness with proper movements on tennis, with the tennis coach there is something that we develop like a lot in the Moratogul Academy. we using like with junior players and also pro players. And what you can see like the likes. I mean, the likes because it's regarding tennis-wise. They really don't like because usually I mean I used to go pretty intense. It's always when you ask people like "Let's go fitness on court they're happy but at the same time they're not happy. but lighting is a mix between genetic is a mix between which kind of sports you practice when you was young and also of course is about like training and practicing and practicing and practicing and try to develop the movements and try to let them understand. Also this one is a lot about synesthetic, so to know about how your body works, how your body reacts. To make understand the players how they should move on court.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. because you, you, you try it the odd time and it's like you're gonna tumble over. You know, it's you need a lot of force and commitment.
0: Yeah, but look, it's funny because like I had just example. I mean, that, uh, it's not a big secret. Like um, before French Open, I was working with Olger, a central court. I was working like with one device we have. It's called as uh, Fusion Sport. The brand is Fusion Sport, then Vald, which is another brand from Australia, which is very good because basically Vald is a device that you can like evaluate the strengthening of the groin and on the hamstring. Basically, they, they bought the Fusion Sport. So basically, I did like this session with this uh, fitness session actually with Olga on central court on clay just before French Open. And what I saw, it moves very well on both sides, right? So it can slide, it can slide. Backhand, open stance, it can slide. Forehand, open stance, closed stance, whatever. But you will say from outside, look, the best way to go to the backhand for sure is to hit in the open stance and then to recover. But what I saw from the datas, from all the datas after the session, that actually is faster in moving on the back end in closed stance and then recover to the forehand, then sliding in the open stance on the forehand and i recover to the back. And it's something that you can think about, you mean like it's not possible because, for, of course, you need more time to slide with the right foot when you go back end, closed stance, and then to put the left foot and then to cross over. You need more time. But Exactly what I was talking to you before. If you really know the guy, if you really know the player, it's something that I will never change because there is no reason. Mm. Another fitness coach, he will come and will say, look, Lapo, you should teach him to slide better on the open stance backhand. But why? Is What we need is the time that he needs to move his body from the left and recover to the right. If he's doing better on this, we keep on this and this one it's real working for each people for each player to try to make the best for them yeah of course you can have a vision but then you must adjust adjust in terms of each player and how is how like is strengthening how he's moving and everything so yeah it's like just a little example that make you understand like how deep every to me fitness coach and tennis coach they should go with
1: the players that they work with. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's just, yeah, you can go so deep. You need all day with these players and an yeah. hour a week won't get you this. But last question, who's going to win Wimbledon men and ladies? Call it. Uh,
0: so, Kyrgios?
1: Uh, come on, be <laughs> serious here. Come on. I, serious, wrong answers only, but no.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So, Sirius, uh, let's see. Uh, something, like, this. it's not easy. I think, like, Zviatic was injured, but I think she will play Wimbledon, right? Who? I saw, like, Zviatic.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't... Uh, she's, I saw her I with a racket today. Oh, sorry, I saw an Asics thing. It wasn't with... I'm not sure is my answer there.
0: By the way, if she will play, I will say Zviatic. In men, uh, I will say... uh Staffel. Matteo. Matteo. It would
1: be great to see, wouldn't it? Yeah. Italian Grand I mean, after, Slam champion. Yeah,
0: after last year, after yeah. last year, actually he deserved it. He's doing well. Also now in Queens. He's doing very well. I like him. He's a very good guy.
1: He, he's returned well after injury, hasn't he? Like
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean he's doing amazing. He's like also like a very, 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 very good team. Ramon, the Osteopot from Spain, the fitness coach, everyone, Vincenzo, the coach, like amazing people around him. He's an amazing guy. I had the chance to talk with him like when he went like from uh, for the UTS tournament in Moratone. Oh, yeah. We host him. Super smart, intelligent. Like, look, as we say in Italy, he's like the perfect tennis player.
1: Perfect. Yeah. The okay. one that
0: we were, was looking for, like, for like, I don't know, since how many years, we have there now.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully, let's hope that. But Lapo, thank you very much. Really enjoyed that chat. And I said, I hope to get down someday for a fitness test.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm still waiting for you. I'm still waiting for one you. Day, so one please day. come. Perfect. Thank you for having me. And yeah. Thanks, Fabio.
1: Really hope you enjoyed that episode. As I said, we've other podcast episodes with fitness, strength and conditioning trainers. Head over to functionaltennis dot com forward slash podcast. We've a list made up with them. Thank you very much and take care.